The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini, and we've got it all teed up here for you for a lot of information because you're at the right place for all the most practical, realistic, and current home improvement information you're going to find anywhere. During this first hour, we're going to talk about rude toilets with burping problems. So we're going to try to try to put some <laughs> eti- etiquette in the bathroom here and straighten out these toilets. Also, duct cleaning controversy. There's always been a lot of questions on Is it effective? We'll talk a little bit about that and all of the information that we know. Also, pointers on pavers. If you're thinking of a paver patio or paver sidewalk, we've got some things that you need to consider. Lots of emails coming in. And Joe, what about that simple solution coming up in just a little bit? I got a quick tip on how to make a non-toxic weed killer from products you probably have in your home right now. Oh, boy, when we've shared um, similar tips like that in the past, it has really created a lot of interest, and especially right now because everybody's battling weeds, and you just hate to get out there with those strong chemicals and wind blowing. Especially if you have pets. Pets, spending more money than you need to. So we look forward to that simple solution coming right up in just a bit. Hey, we want to help you out with any challenge that you might be having. We make it pretty easy. If you like to send emails, we certainly like to get them, and you can go right now to todayshomeowner.com slash ask and send us any type of tip or um, comment or question, anything that you may have. Also, the Today's Homeowner Hotline is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Your opportunity to give us a call, 800-946-4420. I'll have to say our um, Today's Homeowner Hotline had a little technical issue. That's um, right, yeah. Because of a certain cable company that we won't mention right now, but if it keeps <laughs> happening, we'll be mentioning them every hour, uh, and not in a positive way. So if you tried to call in and you're not able to reach us, we're sorry about that. Everything's back up to speed now, and we do want to hear from you. Now, you know, the Today's Homeowner Radio Show is going to wrap up at the end of this year, so there's plenty of time for you to get your questions and those nagging thoughts you might have about your home. It's time to get our opinion on it, and it's time for us to help guide you through any kind of situation you have. So we want to encourage you to give us a call and reach out Anytime, Joe, you know, during this time of the year with the kids getting back to school, of course, everybody across the country have different schedules. Um, You know, being in the construction business for over 45 years, uh, there's quite a pattern every year. Whenever you hear that, okay, all the kids are going back to school, get ready, because usually a contractor starts getting a lot of questions um, and inquiries about, hey, I have been thinking all summer about doing this project. Now that the kids are out of the house, I'm ready to move move forward. I thought it would be kind of good for you and I to kind of share um, some little tips along the way of sure. how, how to have a successful project. Um, you know, so, because, so this is back yeah. to school remodeling. Basically. Back to school remodeling oh, okay. time. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, the thing about it is, first of all, you walk around, you have a lot of ideas of things that you might want to do around the house, writing them down. You know, Joe, when you write everything down like that, all of a sudden you start, it, it starts making sense if you give it some thought on right. the, the logical process. You know, do we do this first or do we do that first? Well, no, 
if we do that, then all the workmen are going to be walking on it. Let's do this first. Right. So writing it down and starting to think about the old critical path of progress uh, is pretty darn important first step. Yeah, and often your budget will help you determine that that path, right, Danny? Because, you know, once you write down the list, and what, I, what I've done is I've written down, like, all the projects I wanted to do on our home. And I found like it was the list was like, I think it was eight or 10 projects. I'm like, well, I'm never going to do eight or 10 projects right now. I don't have the time or the money to do all these. So I took the three or four I really wanted to do. And I just concentrated on those. In fact, I'm in the middle of two right now. I finished up two and I'm in the middle of two right now. But you're right, writing it down, it's just something about being able to physically look at a list like, okay, well, let's start with this one because we'll get the most bang for our buck. The kids are out of the house. Typically, these are projects that, you know, you don't want the kids running around because they might get in the way. So, yeah, with the kids out of the house, this is a good time of year to start those projects. And, and starting with a list is, is probably the first step. Now, your list may be eight or, eight or 10. Mine is 41 items long. 41 <laughs> items. But now, let me let me just say, I will write down. this is a guy down, who just built a house. The house is like brand new and in perfect condition. I, I'll, I'll write down things like adjust front doorknob. Yes. Yes, I will do the doorknob today. So Get, you get, know. F- get frozen French toast for breakfast tomorrow. Is that the kind of thing you put on your list? <laughs> I, I, I make sure I get plenty of gratification when I do a few things on my list. But but that is important to, to take care of that. You also, as you go through that, depending on your skill level and your time and your abilities to be involved in the project, you also need to decide on the things that you might want to take on yourself and the things that you're definitely going to um, hire out. Uh, that'll get you started on all of the phone calls that you need. And that is a key thing, how to choose the right contractor. First of all, you always want to talk with people and deal with contractors or remodeling contractors that always do the kind of work you're looking at. There's a lot of times, you know, you might be looking at building a small addition on the back of your house. Most home builders are not the people that you need to talk with, nor commercial contractors uh, or A lot of times, not even the handyman type that is used to doing different jobs every day. So you want to make sure that you really talk to people, you know, your friends, your family, folks you go to church with, anybody in your circle of friends. Neighbors who have just had a project done. Neighbors, exactly, that that have had a similar project done. That's a good place to start. As well as we always mention um, the Home Builders Association, which is a fantastic organization all over the country. And you can find a local chapter around you that will provide you some names, and that will get you started. But when you, you 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 take the time to have the meetings uh, right. with with the potential contractors, you provide them, in my opinion, um, a written list of the things that you would like for them to provide you a cost on, and of course the section where the things you will take care of on your own to make sure right. there's no duplication on that. But once you get all of those in, uh, of course, the first thing you look at is the price. And once you get over the price shock, um, <laughs> evaluating those bids and making sure it's good old-fashioned apples to apples is the next important step. Yeah. I mean, you and I are lucky because we've been in this industry so long, we kind of know what questions to ask. Um like I had a job recently I put out to bid and one contractor was going to build a foundation for a, f- a stone front step we're putting in. He was going to build out a concrete block. The second one wanted to build out a poured concrete. I am not a fan of concrete block. There's always an issue with them, but I wouldn't have known to even ask that question if I wasn't sort of you know, knowledgeable mm-hmm. about construction. So yeah, you have to do whatever you can. If you're not that knowledgeable, see if you can have a friend or neighbor or relative that comes over that knows more about construction that can listen to the contractor because a lot of terminology you might not be familiar with. Um, but yeah, what do we usually say, Danny? Get at least three bids on a job. 
And um, don't be surprised if one is way high and one is way low. And we often say, well, okay, if you like them all, try to pick the one in the middle. Um, that's not always possible. But uh, yeah, evaluating the bids is something that kind of comes with experience, I think. Um, that's why references is so, is so important. And just take your time. I mean, I know you're anxious to get out there. I know you're anxious for that wall to come down between your kitchen and your living room. Hmm. Take your time. This is the one of the most important steps in the whole process is choosing the right contractor, the right partner that's going to go in there and work with you side by side on that. So that's very important that you take care of that. And then when you choose the right one and you're comfortable with them and you have good communication with them, make sure you have everything in writing and don't rush that process. Make sure you understand every aspect of it. Make any change. This is your game plan, your legal game plan too. So make sure everything's cool. Make sure you're comfortable with the payment schedule and then you can move forward with it. And of course, as you get started on it, make those timely decisions. A lot of times homeowners have a tough time choosing flooring and paint colors. Get a head start on that because you can hold up the whole entire process if you're not making those decisions. And that communication is very important, taking all of the notes along the way so that you, again, improve that communication. And then after the project's complete, everybody is happy and really celebrates. And remember, whether it's a home or a, um, an addition or an interior renovation, the lowest ebb in your whole emotional travel here through a remodeling project is usually the day before the drywall goes up. That's because <laughs> that's because it seems like nothing's happened for a while because, you know, you've got wiring, you got plumbing, you got all of that. But when those walls go up, then it's a great fun. You can have a good time throughout the whole thing. Just a few tips that we wanted to share with you to make sure your next project goes well. We're just getting started here on today's Homeowner Radio. So glad you're with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. It's heard coast to coast on some amazing stations like this one in Lake Placid, Florida. WWTK AM 730 AM. Welcome to everybody there in that part of Florida. Pretty warm down there uh, as it is here in South Alabama and not quite as bad up in um, in the northern states, thank goodness. But we certainly welcome all of you that are listening, and we want to hear from you. Send us an email anytime with your question or comment. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can go to the Today's Homeowner Hotline, 800 946 4420. That's where Brian is right now in New Jersey with a. You've got some rude toilets in your house, I understand. Tell us all about it, Brian. Hi, Danny and Joe. Yeah, I got the craziest thing going on with my toilets in my house. I have four of them. Mm -hmm. And when I flush one of them, I hear this loud, almost like burping sound coming out of the other toilets. In fact, sometimes if I don't have the, the, the cover down, Mm -hmm. Water will actually shoot out. <laughs> Lars, uh, blows. I don't smell anything. And I don't <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I should call a plumber or what. Well, I, I'll tell you, you know, traditionally in these type of things, um, 
hopefully it doesn't go back to the original plumbing on this uh, where a lot of times it will be air starved because it doesn't have enough venting in it is this something um that's that's has always happened or it's kind of gradually gotten worse what are some of the symptoms along those lines it's been slowly gradually and getting worse Okay. Um, Most of the time, um, and and that's good because you don't want the original drains and so forth to be a problem. And I have seen that where they didn't put enough drain um, air air vents in and that kind of thing. And it has a vacuum and it struggles. But most of the time when you have a situation like this, it's because there is some type of blockage in there. It's not so bad that it's um, causing a backup, but it's just kind of a slow up to where when you when you're um, flushing it and so forth, it um, causes that reaction. So I really think um, uh, rotting this out, having a suing cl- sewer cleaning company, especially those that have the cameras that they can run down into the drain, I'll bet we'll find the problem right away, and it's most likely on the toilet that you use the most, because it'll make the others react like that. Joe, what do you think on this? So many times that's what, what's caused the problem, it's just a little bit of obstruction in there. Yeah, Brian, that's exactly it. The plumbers refer to it as a negative air pressure or air lock. And um, the gurgling indicates, the gurgling of the water indicates that there's abnormal suction or, or venting in the line. And that negative air pressure, what happens is it builds up, builds up, then eventually releases. And it actually goes backward through the line, just the opposite direction. And that's what you're seeing and hearing, that that water, the air bubbling up and that pressure being released in the toilet bowl because it doesn't have many other places to go. Um, and the buildup of negative air pressure is usually caused by a clog in one of two areas. Um, in the drainage system, typically close to the toilet. Sometimes it can be further down the line, but often it's close to the toilet. So if you want to try to clear it yourself, you could rent a little hand crank and um, that's called a closet auger and see if that will clear it. Um, and if it's not that, it might be in the vent stack. The vent stacks are simply those pipes that go through your roof and allow um, air into the system so it does drain. That's a little harder for a DIYer to diagnose and repair. So um, I guess what I'd try is I would first try, um, if you don't own a auger, then to rent one and see if you can clear it. If not, then you would have to, Danny recommended, you would have to call a plumber or a or a, um, like a rotor rooter type of company and have them clear it out. Okay, yeah, I'll try the auger first, and then if I have no luck, I'll I'll call the local plumber and have them take a look. Good, and th- that's probably why this has been getting progressively worse because you know clogs very seldom does it just stop completely all at once unless you know unless a kid flushes a toy or something down. So it usually builds up and gets worse and worse, and that's why you're seeing this pressure build up more. Um, and it happening more often. So um, at, least, at least you know what it is. And hopefully it is, and it probably is in a clog in one of the drain, in the drain system, not in the vent stack. Okay. That's great. Right. Thanks so much for the fun. Well, Brian, best of luck on that. I think you'll, I think you'll find a little bit of obstruction will turn loose and you'll be fine for a, a long, long time. In the meantime, you can have a lot of fun with that if you have one of your buddies <laughs> that you want to pick on a little bit, you know, just, uh, hey, go into that bathroom in there. Yeah. <laughs> to ask your mother-in-law to look into that toilet. Is there something going? Can you see oh, anything? Oh, no, Joe. Then come he, on. Joe, Joe. <laughs> then you go in the next room and you flush the toilet. Uh, it's not a bad idea. There Just don't go. tell her it was my idea. <laughs> well, Brian, thanks so much for being with us, and hope you have a fantastic weekend. You too. Thanks a lot.
Okay, our pleasure. You know, Joe, one time I was at one of the trade shows and they had a clear drain line and just right. to show how, um, oh, yeah. you know, this particular toilet would work and so forth and all that. But you, you know what, what's interesting when you think about a drain line, this is something a lot of people don't think about. If you're putting in a toilet or you're doing something like that, particularly if you're on a multi-level situation, um, you know, it's important that the horizontal runs of drain pipe be at the proper slope. And I think that's something sure. like an eighth ever 10 feet, something like that. And if you think about that that's not a very much of a slope and i go well you know we're on a second story why not just shoot that thing straight down to the 45 and um the explanation was perfect is because the separation between paper and water and waste and all of that kind of thing you want it to all stay together so that deteriorates together as it goes to the sewer or the drain line right. or the septic tank or whatever but if it's too steep then that separates and that's where it really has a problem never even think about something like that. You think, you know, the steeper, the better. Well, right. not so much. And that's why those master plumbers uh, earn their keep because those are the kind of things that you just don't think about as a homeowner, but they're so key important. Yeah. I mean, we're really fortunate. I, I hooked up with a really good plumber. He's ex experienced. He's probably in his late fifties or something like that. So he's seen everything. Plumbers have seen, cause you know, not much has changed really in plumbing a house, you know, the fixtures and the fittings have changed, but the basic works of how, um, you know, the plumbing system drains, um, you know, hasn't changed that much. And, it, you know, I, I hand out his number all the time because I want to make sure he keeps busy because I don't want oh, him to yeah. retire on me. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a good plumber is, is really indispensable. Hey, let's get right to an email here. We'd love to get one from you. All you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. That's what Mark from Alabama did. He said, hi, Danny. I love your show. About a year ago, my mother had a pressure-treated wood deck built onto her home. The boards were nailed together. Now, a bunch of the nails are popping loose. Should I just simply pound them back down or replace them with screws? Also, the builder said not to paint or treat the wood in any way. But I think there well, should be Well, he was half some... right. <laughs> not, to, not to paint it. Yeah. What do you think? Well, um, you know, pressure-treated wood is something that you don't have to or nor should you paint or stain right away. And we certainly don't recommend painting. Uh, a penetrating deck stain is a great way to go. And as far as the nails, any nails that start working their way out, um, I would go ahead and pull them, take a coated deck nail, carefully put it right back in its place, and deck you won't nail have to, or deck screw? I'm sorry, deck screw, coated deck screw here. I'm getting ahead of myself. And that way you'll never have to do that again. You put it in there um, you know, nice and slightly um, below flush, sli right. you know, slightly um, sunk in like that, and that'll last a long, long time. But, Joe, on the, on the staining, and, of course, you know, people always talk about um, you know, when can I um, stain? Yeah. Um, you know, because people will say, if I stain it one time, I'm going to have to keep staining it, so I'm not going to stain it at all. Well, Yes and no. If you don't continue saying it, even though the treated wood might be um, said to be guaranteed for, you know, 10 years, 20 years or 30 years, it's going to last last longer and look a lot better with a little bit of love from semi-transparent stain. Absolutely. And even the pressure pressure treated manufacturers recommend putting some finish on it. And as Danny said, we don't recommend paint because it's going to peel and crack and then you're going to have a real mess on your hands. Um, but if you don't want to stain it, you can get clear wood preservative, you know, get one that has a water repellent in it and just put that on. It's like applying water. You can't do it wrong. You can't over apply it really. You don't have to worry about the color because there is no color. So you should at least do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, and plus paint, if you paint the ramp, 
Um, you know, what happens if it gets wet? It might be kind of slick. Where Very if you put slick, a, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to stain it, use a semi-transparent. If you don't want to stain it, then use a clear wood preservative. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the duct cleaning controversy. Some people say it's the greatest thing around. Other people say just replace the duct work instead of cleaning it. We're going to talk about that and a lot more when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes, and by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by the Home Depot, how doers get more done. Now, replacing electrical wiring devices like switches or outlets is a real common chore for more experienced DIYers, but it often takes a lot of time because wiring connections can be difficult and homeowners want to make sure they're nice and secure for their family's safety. So Leviton has simplified the process with their new line of Decora Edge wiring devices which are a lot faster, easier to use, and much safer in design. Each of the terminals on the device has a color-coded lever, so all you need to do is strip the wire, slip it into the terminal, and close the lever. When the connection is properly made, there's an audible click, so you'll be confident with each and every termination. There's also a larger strap with a unique tongue and groove alignment feature for multi-gang installations. And there's no exposed metal parts for even greater safety. Hey, for more information on this Leviton Decora Edge 15-amp single-pole switch, log on to Home Depot. Com. Hey, right now we're going to head right back to the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Uh, we have Mike on the line from Illinois. Mike, welcome to the show, and tell us what's happening at your house. Well, I live in a two-story house that was built back in 1963. It's got central heating and cooling, and I've lived here for about 16 years. But the question I have is I don't think the ducts have ever been cleaned. And I've heard that some companies that do this kind of service uh, might spray some kind of chemical in there to pull up the dust and, I guess, other debris that might collect. But I guess the bigger question is, is it worth getting ducks cleaned? And if so, how often should you have it done? That's a great question because we well, get it. It is a great question, and I appreciate months, yeah. you bringing this to it to, to us today. Um, it's it's a bit of a controversy over the years, and, and it's kind of like people are all over the place on it. Many many years ago, you would hear people say, "Well, they did more damage than they did good." My house is dustier than it's ever been since they've done it. Uh, it's just as cheap to go ahead and replace the ductwork as it is to have it cleaned. Um, all of those are not necessarily 100% true statements, but statements that we've heard over the years. And, you know, um, not all ductwork is the same. You know, you have a lot of the better ductwork that's actually metal piping that's wrapped with duct insulation. Then you have the more common, flexible-type ductwork, which I understand is a little harder to keep clean. But um, if, if ductwork has not been cleaned in a long time, time, my personal opinion, it probably would benefit it to be cleaned. It only makes sense if that dust has gotten past your filtration, 
your your air filter into the system and then being distributed through everything, it probably would have a good situation there by having a more of a passive way of cleaning and the vacuums that they put it in and that kind of thing. Joe, we've talked about this a lot over the years. And we I'm, have, yeah. I, I, I'm really not sure whether to make a statement of no, it's all bad or no, it's all good. Right. There's There's still a little fuzziness in this whole thing. Well, there are a lot of variables because, you know, if you live in a small house with nine cats, maybe you need to have your ducks cleaned occasionally. If you live alone and you don't have any pets, maybe it's not an issue. I'm not sure. But, Mike, I recently read a report by the EPA, right, the Environmental Protection Agency. It's a relatively new report. And they basically say what we've been saying all along, and I'll just read you from the report because I wrote it down here. Knowledge about air duct cleaning is in its early stages, so a blanket recommendation cannot be offered as of whether you should or should not have your ducts cleaned. So basically they're saying, we're not really sure. And they also reported that duct cleaning has never been shown to actually prevent any health problems. So that sort of that sort of leans toward I guess I never have to do it. But the report goes on and says the only time you need to consider it, there are three instances where you might need to have your ducts clean. If there's a substantial amount of mold growing inside the duct, seems pretty obvious. Uh -huh. um, so obviously, if you have mold there, um, if the ducts are infested with any kind of rodents or insects, something like small, that, small animals, a little zoo situation. Yeah, if you hear like a hamster race going on overhead. And then the third one would be if they're clogged with so much dust and debris that you're actually seeing it being blown through the registers into the room. And if you literally see this stuff blowing through. So if none of those um, exist, I guess they're saying you don't have to. So, okay, so what do you do now, right? What I'd recommend is have someone inspect the ducts, but not a duct cleaning company. Right. Not that I don't think they're honest, but how many duct cleaning companies are to come in and say, oh, no, it looks great. I'm, I'm not going to have to clean this. Yeah. You know, so I guess you can certainly inspect it on your own, remove a couple of registers, even just check the back of the register when you lower it. You might be surprised if it's clogged with dust. Then reach up inside or put a flashlight up inside and see what the inside of the ducts look like. So that, that's about the best we can tell you because, there, again, there's there's so many variables that you can't say every person needs to have their ducts cleaned. Now, if you're selling a home, is that one of the things that an inspector would check or even ask you about? Well, Danny probably be, have more experience with that than I. I suspect I've only bought a couple of homes. I don't remember anyone checking any ductwork. What about you, Danny? Yeah. I mean, if it is a very bad situation, and as an example, like Joe mentioned, where dust is actually almost cascading out of the registers, right. well, yeah, a, a home inspector would have to say something about that. But I think it's outside their realm to actually recommend that for the very reason. I mean, if the EPA is on, on the bubble on it and they're not ready to say yay or nay, uh, that does mean a lot. Right. But I'll tell you something that I would that I do think is a great idea when you um, are able to do this is to remove a register and soak it in water and clean that register really, really well. You might want to even put a few little drops of oil on it if you ever use the damper feature on uh, most registers and then take an upholstery brush on your um, vacuum cleaner hose and reach up in there and just clean it just you know not very aggressively but just clean anything that you see around there clean it all up wipe your register down put it back up and I'll bet you'll be surprised how much dirt you'll find in your sink or your container with soap and water in it that you'll find they do get pretty dirty but it's not something that would actually have to justify duct cleaning I think that would be the way to go and then you can see if you really see much um, dust or anything inside that um, register or the ductwork itself. OK, 
Okay, good idea. All right, Mike. Well, we appreciate you bringing that to the attention of our audience and everything. We certainly hope you have a, a great weekend and uh, hope that all works out very well. Thank you. You too. So the EPA basically has copied my opinion is what you're saying. They I mean, are. They're basically word for word. That yeah, I'm they, not didn't ready quote, to make. they didn't quote yeah. you, but I could probably type it in as recommended by Danny Liptrick. Journalistically, that's not proper not to uh, acknowledge your source. <laughs> so, exactly but we'll, right. we'll, we'll let them slide on it right now. Hey, we're having a lot of fun here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Hope you are. Get ready. We have a lot more information that you'll be able to use around your house. I'm Danny Lifford, along with my buddy Joe Truini, and you're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Wizard Screen Solutions. Find out more at wizardscreens.com. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Wanted to share with you that outdoor living spaces are more popular than ever, and most of these areas require a hard surface like a patio. If you plan to build your own space, you might want to consider using pavers. We've shared with you a lot about the advantages of pavers, and certainly on our television show, Today's Homeowner, we have featured many, many paver projects because paver projects are DIY-friendly because the tools and skills required are a lot easier to access than the ones required for pouring large concrete slabs. And unlike concrete, this is important, there's no clock on a paver project. When, you, when you've got that concrete truck backed up there, you better go <laughs> because it's it's not going right. to wait on you. A, a, a pallet of pavers, you can take it easy and do it as you wish. You know. Plus, you know, there's no denying that pavers have more character than a big, just simple, flat piece of concrete. So if you're going to tackle a paver project yourself, here are some hints. First, start with a good base. Once you dig out the space where the patio will sit, spread three to six inches of compactable crushed rock as a base material. Now, you can find this paver-based material next to the pavers right there at the home center. Home Depot has all that you need. Once the base is graded flat, compress it with a plate compactor. Now, you can rent this tool by the day. Then next, you'll spread a one-inch layer of sand evenly over the base material to serve as a bed for the pavers themselves. After the pavers have been laid, secure the perimeter of the patio with plastic edging strips which are anchored into the ground with long spikes and of course that is also available at Home Depot. Now enjoy the space you've created. You'll really enjoy it and you can add on to it at any time. This Around the Yard segment brought to you by Pavestone. Hey Danny, I had a quick question about pavers. Do you always have to put palmeric or sand, some sort of sand in between the joints, or can you butt some of these pavers tight enough where you don't need anything? Yeah, you can butt them together, and um, you don't have to have any sand in them whatsoever. In doing so, you know, that does uh, help a little bit in the drainage. I think the right. sand in, in those type that are really butted tight together are more just for, you know, the look of it more than any. Right. But most of the pavers have a little nub on them. Right, on, a little on spacing, the side of it, so, spacing, little, little spacing for that sand. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we, we've had a lot of uh, success with projects and uh, done a lot of paver projects over the years. And, you know, if you want to get inspired, just check out some of the ones we've done at todayshomeowner.com and certainly at pavestone.com. Want to sneak in a few emails here? We'd All love right. to get one from you. Todayshomeowner.com 
slash ask is where you go. Colleen in Kansas says, my husband and I are tearing out some old wall-to-wall carpeting and plan to install new hardwood floors. Beneath the carpet is plywood. What, if anything, must we do to the plywood before laying down the new floor? Well, Colleen, great question because now's the time that you can go ahead and make sure that there are no squeaks in the subfloor because that plywood that's probably nailed down over those uh, floor joists uh, can be a source of a lot of noise. But right now, you can get some really good screws and a lot of them. And probably um, assuming that the plywood is three quarter, you'd want at least inch and a half screws. And I would put them every six inches. Sounds like a lot, but just uh, take a chalk box and pop your line directly across the top. You'll be able to find where the floor joists are by looking at the sub floor nailing patterns and then go every just ignore the nails as if it's not nailed at all and then go ever um, six inches all the way through the room you'll be glad you did and that's the only chance you have before you install your floor and if there's any major defects or any little divots or anything like that I would use a floor patch compound in order to make that work Joe here's one from Marjorie she says hi Danny and Joe I have a Trex deck that has a lot of moss growing on the surface how can I clean off the moss without damaging the deck boards and I want to use something that's non-toxic so that I don't endanger my plants thanks for any of your suggestions how can she get that composite deck clean Joe all right well they actually composite decking has been around for so long that they actually do have uh, concentrates that are made specifically for composite decks but I would start with a homemade solution of two parts distilled white vinegar one part water you can just mop it onto the deck, spray it onto the deck. And then what you want to do is, while it's still wet, sprinkle on lots of baking soda. Then wait, wait maybe 30 or 40 minutes, and then scrub it off with a stiff bristle brush. That, that usually will get rid of um, any moss and clean the deck. And she's right. You don't want to be too aggressive, obviously, because you don't want to scratch up the deck. If you want to buy a commercial product, I remember reading about two. One's called Wash Safe Composite Deck Cleaner. Um, and then another one called Deck Max, M-A-X. And both of those are non-toxic. But I would certainly start with the vinegar first to see how that works. You know, I was out at a deck recently that was, um, had a composite deck on it, probably about four or five years old. And, man, it looked right. great. So I wanted to know, hey, what brand is this and what's going on? And, he's, yeah. and you know, told me it was a Trex deck. But um, I said, well, how do you? Do you, did you put a coating on it or something? And you know, he said that he just has just simple Dawn dishwashing liquid right, in, yeah. in a five-gallon bucket. And he says about once a month, he has this big brush like you would brush your boat on. He says, mm-hmm. I just put the soap on it. I wash it away. It takes me 10 minutes. And I, I keep up with it. And it doesn't build up like it's apparently done here. Oh, so great. that's another easy way to do it. Hey, coming up, it's that time. Simple solution right around the corner. We'll be right back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Duck Brand Weatherization Products. I can just visualize all over the country, all the kids are gathered around, their little ears pushed up against the radio, and they're saying, (laughs) Mama, when's Joe going to give us a simple solution? So it's time, Joe. Go ahead and share it with the kids at this special time. Okay. Well, first, back up. You don't need your ear pressed right (laughs) against the radio. Uh, all right, Dan, we're just talking about, and we often talk about how effective um, white distilled vinegar is. Mm-hmm. And here's a simple, effective, non-toxic, very important, non-toxic weed killer. And what you do is you mix one gallon of white vinegar. And by the way, I bought a gallon of 
of vinegar. I think it was at Walmart recently. It was like $2.60. Oh, still a bargain. It's still a bargain. When are they going to get cars to run on that? Get some cars (laughs) to run on that vinegar. (laughs) There you go. We'll be geniuses. We'll we'll drive down the street and kill weeds at the same time. (laughs) Okay, so uh, you mix uh, one gallon of white vinegar with two cups of Epsom salt and a quarter cup of Dawn dish soap. And pour the mixture into a garden sprayer, pump-up garden sprayer, and apply it directly to the weeds in your lawn, garden, wherever. What happens is the salt and the vinegar will kill the weeds just within a day or two. In fact, I did it one time in the morning. By late afternoon, they were already starting to shrivel up. Um, But in any case, and the detergent, the reason you put the detergent in there is because it helps this um, killing solution to stick to the plant. So it, you know, it's more effective for a longer period of time. So that's a quick and simple way, an affordable way, to kill weeds in your yard. and you use that in your pump-up sprayer? Is that what you said? Pump-up sprayer, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's good. And boy, I'll tell you, that's a good thing to invest in. You know, there's so many things that are made so cheaply these days. Right, yeah. Um, pump-up sprayer is something you're going to use your whole life. Go buy the best one you can, but don't do what I did. I What's went that? out and I bought, I mean, this was back many, many years ago uh, when I was, you know, really out there on my tools all the time. And I bought a stainless steel commercial little pump-up sprayer. I mean, it was awesome. And right. um, I got it out of the box, put it together and everything. And then I don't know why, I just went to lay it in the back of my truck. Maybe I tossed it a bit. Right. And a hoe was in there and the very tip of the hoe pierced the side of it. And Did that it really? was it. So oh. I owned it. I owned it for about an hour, and there's no way <laughs> I I didn't even try to fix the gash in the side of it. I just I probably just threw it in the dumpster and, 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 and said some bad wait, words. And you actually wasted three hours because one hour you owned it, then two hours trying to come up with an idea how I blame Sharon for this thing having <laughs> know, a hole was, in the side of it. Yeah. Oh, and I and I did want to mention about pump up sprayers. If you're going to use bleach. They do make pump-up sprayers specifically for bleach because if you use a regular one, the bleach is so caustic, it could eat the inside of that spray tip oh, and it would be useless. So if you're going to use anything with bleach, get the kind that are specifically designed for bleach. Good. Well, that's a really good, simple solution to get rid of those weeds. Good time of the year for that. Hey, I want to remind you of a very special uh, Today's Homeowner Television show coming up this week. It's actually our last week on broadcast television. Oh, but no. the, sh- the show is really, really special one for us. It's called Project with a Purpose. Now, we did air this earlier. Um, it's our big project on the USS Alabama Memorial Park. Fantastic. Meant an awful lot to do this project. You have to see it. It's one of our best. Had over 100 volunteers show up from the community to help us really make the whole battleship and the grounds look pretty good. So you want to go to todayshomeowner.com and find out where you can see it. Now, yes, it is kind of sad that the Today's Homeowner Television Show, after 25 years, is moving off of broadcast television uh, because our streaming audience has gotten almost as big or bigger than what we're reaching through broadcast. So we're going to concentrate on our library and make it available as much as possible. Almost 600 episodes that you can go and binge watch. Go back to the, the start of it and get a good laugh at what we looked like back then. <laughs> but you can you can find us by going to todayshomeowner.com slash stream to see all of the different areas like Roku, Pluto, Freevee, uh, LG, Smart TV, channels 476 is Today's Homeowner. 24 hours a day, and many, many others. Well, that's going to wrap up this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. I'm Danny Lippert, along with my buddy Joe Truini. Thanks so much for spending some of your busy weekend with us here on today's Homeowner Radio.